Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, thank you for this day that you have made in the house of God. This is the day the Lord has made for us to rejoice and to be glad. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts through your word, that we might capture understanding that would enrich our lives. Uh, There's a lot of sadness. There's a lot of gloom and doom in our world. But there's a proclamation in Christmas of great joy, peace, and goodwill to all men. We want to sit in that relationship with you, understanding what it means to celebrate a world-changing Christmas. Uh, 2018, uh, Christmas never gets old as we contemplate the announcement that was made of old, that a child is born, a son is given, and the proclamation of the goodness of God expressing light and peace to all men. Let Christmas be a reality for us and not a religious ritual or a historical uh, past. Uh, We pray that our future in the next couple of days would be filled with your good tidings of joy and peace and prosperity to all people in all places. Bless your people in the house of God. Bless the church. Keep us, Lord, under the blood of Jesus. Uh, protect us and let us find refuge and strength in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I want to be brief this morning. Uh, It's a challenge. Next year when we start three services, um, I'm going to have to even be more brief, but uh, we will make an effort in that regards. Um, If you're going to define Christmas... If you're going to say and tell somebody what is Christmas, you need to say that it is the celebration of the greatest gift given to anybody anywhere. That's that's the hallmark of Christmas in a nutshell. That God of the universe um, extended in his... um, disposition of love what has motivated God is his great love with which he loved us and so that the expression of a gift is uh, is launched forth uh, because of the disposition of love I was going to say earlier but the kids were in the house so I didn't want to I didn't want to offend their innocence that uh, when I fell in love with Yvette she became the object of unending barrage of gifts uh, so much so that she was like the cat in Pepe Le Pew Um, she was overwhelmed by the expression of my love and just a constant um, you know almost stalking almost dangerous um, nature but it was it was there's no way that I can express my sentiment towards her than you know giving her the best of the inventory um, that I had, uh, my, I was a poor student back then, but, um, but I want to tell you that that's how you measure the, the, uh, the existence of an emotion that is love. And, and so here we see Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, 
we saturated this verse. It is the Old Testament proclamation of the coming of Jesus. And it says, unto us a child is born. And, and this is the highlight. Unto us a son is given. This is what strikes a lot of people. Um, uh, it, it rubs them wrong. Why so many gifts? Why is the expression of Christmas celebrated by giving? Well, because it embodies the greatest gift of all time in any place. Uh, when God gave his son, and, and so you can't hide that, you can't dress it up, um, it doesn't even fit well in religious circles. Because religion is the effort to try to do something to get something. That's why uh, Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship with God. Uh, it's based on the gifting of God. And a lot of people don't even know that character of God. The nature of his disposition is a, a putting forth of an entourage of goodness. In a rapt scenario where, where he unveils and continues to hit us um, with the immensity of his love. So if, if you're bothered about Christmas being a time of great giving, uh, you have serious problems. Because that is what we celebrate. We celebrate that the God of the universe is a giver of incredible um, uh, benevolence, which is the goodness of God poured out. Um, when you celebrate Christmas as it ought to be celebrated, without getting confused with consumerism and all this getting into debt, and, and you don't want to see what happens in January after the Christmas holidays, um, as an attorney here in Miami, I practiced for 10 years. And the longest lines at my law practice was right after Christmas, people getting divorced. Because they wanted, that during the holidays, they were giving their all to try and get back some sentiment and feeling on a natural plane. And that's when it doesn't fill the emptiness. Uh, our natural giftings does not fill the emptiness that's in our heart. Only God fills that. And, and you're going to see with me that if you are on the right side of a relationship with God in Christmas... Um, you cannot even fathom the depth of his gifting in that regards. So, so as we embody Christmas as the greatest gift given by anybody in all of creation, God giving his son is the cause for great joy and, and amazing peace and goodness towards our life, perpetual peace. Um, this is one of the verses that strikes me as incredible. Romans 8.32. You should memorize this verse because it says, If he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how shall he not, together with his son, ready for this, freely, Give you all things. This is huge. The, the, 
that the God of the universe serves his son. And we know the Christmas story. Born in a manger, um, Mary and Joseph, the shepherds. That it was a phenomenal historical event. It's called the greatest story ever told. There's no greater story. And, and so supplemented and complemented with, as God looked in heaven, you guys imagine heaven, with all of its great inventory, uh, the streets of heaven are made out of gold. The angels, the choir of angels, are an innumerable counted host of, of just amazing angelic beings. And as God looked around heaven, he saw Jesus, and Jesus says, I, I, send me, I'm the greatest gift they could ever have. In, give, prepare for me a body and send me to earth. And so if he did not say, no, 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 you're too good for this, or they're not worth it, or I don't want to overdo it. No, God wanted to go all out. And the reason he went all out is to send us a message. And the sadness of our fallen nature is we haven't captured that if the father gave us his best, how much did you pay for it? The big goose egg zero. You didn't pay for it. It was a gift. And if he gave you his son, the Bible says, will he not together with his son give us all things freely? So what are all things? The Greek word for all things is all things. All things means everything that we desire, everything we need, everything that would make us complete. In fact, I, I want to suggest that when God begins to give us, give us, when he begins to pour out freely and give us, he's giving us at a nature and a measure, and the word is abundance, but it means enough to give other people. When God begins to give, you get prepared to put a lot of people on that list. And then that list, the abundance of the things freely given to us is now we who are the recipients of God's greatness and incredible gifting turn around and give the world from what he's given us. Now the most miserable people in the world are selfish people. These are the, the saddest people. If you were to go to my, my brother's a psychiatrist, he's a pastor too. And, and you're to ask him, what makes your patients so miserable? He'll tell you their selfishness. They think about nobody but themselves. Nowhere but themselves. Nothing but themselves. Their favorite motto is me, myself, and I. We call it the satanic trilogy. All you care about is me, 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 me. And so God did not create you as a recipient of incredible giftings so that you could consume them all. So I was talking to a man who happened to lose everything and he used to be very wealthy. And I said, when you had all this wealth, who did you give to? And he says, nobody. And now I realize I have nothing. I said, well, God's going to give you again so that you change your perspective. And now that you have, you begin to give of the abundance of all the things God gives you. 
Because you weren't meant to eat the whole pie. Invite a friend. Share and be a generous, you know, again, to be on the receiving end of all God's goodness. The only thing that it makes you is now a a, a conduit, a channel of, of, of everything God gives you. And so, again, I want to say that God started out with his best, his son. That's Christmas. But it, it, it's the celebration of not Christmas is not a fanciful um, moment in one day of the year, but it's the gifting that gives the rest of the year. It's, it's, it's a powerful goodness of God. And so as I start enumerating here, John 3.16, this is the greatest Bible verse given uh, in, in all of religious history. If you go to all the great religions of the world, you will not find that God so loved the world, he gave his son. In every other religion is that their great and mightiness requires of you to give. It requires what you will do of a demanding God. But the God of the universe is identified through the Christmas spirit that he gave his only son. So that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What does that mean? That eternity, everlasting life is a gift of God. Wait, well, I don't have to work for it? I don't have to pray the rest of my life. I don't have to read all of the Bible and say all the prayers. No. Just like he gave his son, he gave you in his son eternal life. Listen, if God weren't to do anything else, we're to dance all the way the rest of our last breath upon the earth. If he weren't to do anything else. I tell people all the time as they call me, he says, how are you doing? I said, I'm doing great. I used to be going to hell and now I'm going to heaven. I used to be not going in the right direction, but the Lord saved me. And he did so motivated by love, not even by duty, not by responsibility, not by religious ethic, not by philosophical worldview. It was a sentiment in the highest of beings, the creator God, who loved me. And he showed that love towards the gifting of his son to bring us to eternal life. And again, some people are miserable on this planet because they have not received the free gift. So we see all that God begins to unleash. He gave us his son. Together with his son, all things. He gives us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has the manifestation of incredible gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 4. This spirit that he gave us in the day of Pentecost, he says, I don't leave you as an orphan. I'm going to send you the counselor. And he is going to have a diversity of gifts. All the expressions of the same spirit. And, and so one of the saddest moments in our lives is that God wants to put a gift over your life and you still haven't received it. And when you receive a gift of God, it's for you to share that gift. And it's a blessing to everybody around you. One of my gifts uh, in the body of Christ is to lead God's people. And it's a gift of God. It's nothing that I've done. 
It's just God being good to us. God encouraging us. So when he deposits a gift over your life and you share it, a lot of people are going to be blessed beyond measure. Look what he says in John 1.12. We talked about it on Wednesday. Those who received him, he also gave the right to become children of God. So he, he, he not only gives you his son, he gives you salvation. He, he gives you, um, you're a recipient of his love. But he gives you the uh, adoptive papers. That's what this word is actually saying. You could stand before principalities and powers and show your certificate of adoption. He made you a son. Well, how did he do that? Because you received his son, Jesus. And as many as received his son, he gave the power. That, that, that word, if you read it in the Greek, it says the, the, the active authority to present yourself as a son of God. I, I, you know, a lot of people don't know what this means, but I, I had one guy. He called me about five years ago. He says, you don't know. Elvis Presley went through Venezuela and slept with my mom. I'm Elvis's child. I was like, wow, man, you're a rich man. All you got to do is grab your DNA, my friend, show yourself up at Graceland in Memphis and say, hey, blue suede shoes for me. You know, I'm, I'm son of the king of rock. Now, the guy was out to lunch, right? But you are not. Because when Jesus comes to you, you have the adoptive papers that you're a child of God. It was a gift of the Lord for you, my friend. They might not have told you. You're too busy with snowflakes and reindeers and elves. And you don't know that you have the official documentation at a powerful degree. You know, and, and in these days we're talking a lot about people that want to acknowledge your kids. And they got DNA and paternity testings and stuff like that. Listen, if you don't understand whose child you are, you can't celebrate Christmas. As soon as you receive Christ, he gives you the right to become a child of God. And so that is a powerful gifting, especially with those of us that have an orphan spirit. I don't belong anywhere. Nobody loves me. I can't get anything good. Something is never enough. And, and not for... An adoptive child. Adoptive child knows he belongs, listen to me, legitimately to the family. He's not a step this. He's not a step that. He's not stepped on. He's an authentic son through authority. Um, you begin to rejoice with God uh, that Christmas now is not a holiday that you miss out. First uh, John 3, 1. I got to hurry up here. The kids are banging on the doors. They want their gifts. 1 John 3, 1. Uh, 1 John 3, 1. Behold. Let's go to 1 John. There you go. Behold what manner of love. When you pull out your, your tape measure now, you're going to see what type of love. Let's, let's go measure this love. What manner of love? What kind of love is this? The Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. You, you have the legitimacy, the authenticity. You're no longer illegitimate. You're no longer will, uh, wandering. That, that verse, I think it's uh, John 8, 17 maybe. It says, no, let's go to 14. 
No, I'm sorry, Romans 8, 14. Romans 8, 14. That's what. These sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. Go to 17, Romans 8, 17. And if we're his sons, then we are heirs of God. You, know, you don't, you, Elvis is not your dad, but, but your dad is your dad. And if he's your dad, get ready for an inheritance, my friend. And you know what people do for an inheritance? Just be a son. That's, that, what's, that's what qualifies you as to be an heir, a joint heir of Christ. If you suffered with him, you're going to be glorified with him. You get all the same things that Jesus gets as a son as a gift. The Spirit of God upon you. Behold what manner of love he's bestowed upon you that you are a child of God. You, there cannot be no stepchild complex for you. You're not a left out person. You're an included person. You're part of the family of God. That's one of the greatest joys that there could ever be in the life of any person left out. He gave himself for you. Luke chapter 12 verse 32. Trying to describe the father's good desire, his, what pleases him. It says, fear not. Get fear out of your life, little flock, for it has pleased the Father to give you his kingdom. And so you start seeing the manifestations of the generosity of God. He gives you his kingdom. What's that mean? There's a government of peace and joy and righteousness that belongs to you as a birthright. You come into this kingdom by birth. You are royal by bloodline and it's not something that you have to work for it's not something that you have to labor for it's not something that you have to anguish over it's the father's good pleasure to give you his kingdom to give you a life that is totally different than what we had before Romans 6 23 just like sin brings in death just like the payment of sin brings de death, the gift of God is eternal life. Can you receive that? That was the, it has to be by far the greatest day in my life was the day I received Jesus Christ. That changed the course of my history. It changed the, the nature of my disposition. My children come into an incredible existence because I can date back to being 16 years old and receiving a gift from God. And so it, it happened to be around Christmas time. It was actually January 1st, 1984. It was the New Year's that I would ask Christ to come into my heart. And he gave me the gift of eternal life. And so ever since that day, I began to... Um, I begin to lavish the expanse of his gifting. 2 Timothy 3.16, he says he gave us his word. He gave us his word. I have a question for you. Where would your life be without the word of God? Where would it be? If you wouldn't have received his breath, it says all scripture is a gift of God. 
God breathed so that you can have good teaching, good reproof, good correction, so that you can learn how to live in this life. If we didn't have the word of God, we would be without weapons. We wouldn't have, we wouldn't have the weapons of our warfare, the sword of the spirit. We couldn't, we couldn't in a spiritual realm understand where we stand. Everything we've been reading this morning comes from the Word of God. If we didn't have the Word of God, we would be lost in space. We would be lost in darkness. We would be without understanding. But that Word of God, just like He's given us His Son, His Spirit, His salvation, His kingdom, the Word of God is a gift of the Lord. Romans 12.3, he says, together, there is a grace that has been given a grace, it's not salvation, it's not the kingdom, it's not the word, it's a grace. And it's given to everyone who is among you. This grace adds a measure of faith. There's something that you can't explain it as being natural. It's, it's something like is showered upon you, the grace of God. Where sin abounds, the grace of God overabounds. There's something from the nature of God upon us. You know what? When you have the grace, you know what you get rid of? The disgrace. You get rid of la desgracia. Everything that is calamity and travesty. When God shows up, everything turns around. And it doesn't just happen on that December 23rd, 24th, 25th. It happens all year long where Paul says be strong in his grace ask God's grace to come upon you songs have been sung about God's amazing grace that made a wretch like me turn course I once was blind but now I see I was lost but now I'm found because of his grace his grace poured upon our life and you can have a greater measure of this grace it says that his grace that's poured out upon us. Ephesians 2.8. It's through this grace that you're able to be saved. For by grace you've been saved through the gift of faith. This is not of yourselves. Say with me, it's a gift of God. If we start unpacking the gifts of God, my friend, none of the amount of the presence that are here even come close. You begin to unpack that which is wrapped for you, my friend. For you to fill your life up with the goodness of God. Let that define you. And you don't have salvation. You're lost in condemnation. You're, you're lost in judgment. If you don't have the grace that saves, I suggest you get the gift of God this morning. He says like this, Ephesians 4, 7. This grace that was given to each of us according to the measure of how God in Christ desired. To each one of us, grace is a gift. And it's a, the measure according to Christ's gifts. And if you read a little bit longer, it says in verse 11, He gave gifts to men. He himself gave. He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. The gifting of God. You guys do not want to know where this man would be without a pastor in his life. Without a man of God in my life. I wrote that in my book. I thank God as we wrote, what is a man? 
I said, everything that I teach in this book has been the result of the, those who were faithful to put up with me. To all the amazing pastors and leaders and godly men who were significant to speak the precise words in the right season, modeling Christ, being examples for me, the mentors of my youth who patiently encouraged and trained and loved me through my imperfections to form a mature character in Christ. Where would we be without pastors? A lot of people try to live this life saying, I don't need a pastor. My friend, you need what God wants to give you. Anything God wants to give you is for your perfection. He gave some to hold offices so that you can grow in your faith and mature and become all that he intended you to be. Galatians 1.4, he gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. He gave himself that he might free us from the passions of our evil age. James 1.5 says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives freely. The gift of wisdom is a free gift. In that regard, as he's given us wisdom, those of you who desire not to have wisdom are going to find yourself living a lot of foolishness. And that is a painful existence, my friend. It's a painful existence to live in this life without the gift. It says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives freely without cost. It will be given to him. You, you don't have to be a fool in your decision making. You don't have to be reckless in your driving life. You can say, Lord, teach me. Give me wisdom so that I can make the right choice, so that I can get the right counsel. A lot of people have been talking to me recently. They're like, Pastor, I ran out of money. Where do you get money, my friend? Does anybody know where provision of finances come? Look at the announcement that he gives in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. He says, don't forget that it's the Lord who gives you the power to get wealth. And he gives you wealth that you might establish his covenant. You thought it was to go buy a bigger house or a bigger boat or to go on a longer vacation. But the, the power of increase of wealth over your life is so that you might cause the kingdom of God to be established at a greater measure. That your wealth serve a purpose. That he might establish his covenant. That the people might know what God wants for them in this world. A lot of people don't know what riches are for. First Chronicles 29, 14, David says, Lord, I know that anything that I give you is what from, from what you have given me. I'm only giving a little back. Let's read that real quick, 29, 14. First Chronicles 29, 14. Who am I, Lord? And who are these people you put me together that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? Let me, let me just tell you something about Spring of Life Fellowship. We're probably the most giving church on the planet. I want to tell you that just so that you know what church you sit in. We, we have blessed so many hundreds and thousands of people because of the generosity of our hearts in this place. 
They said, yeah, for God's glory, let's give a big hand to the Lord. I told you, even as R.T. Kendall came a couple of weeks ago, he says, you know something? I went to three churches, and they gave me absolutely nothing. But what you guys gave me at Spring of Life Fellowship made up for all those three churches. You know what that means? That we acknowledge that all that God gives us is to pour out and bless the nations. We're to be known. My friends, listen to me. We're to be known as a generous people. Not because it's Christmas, even more during Christmas, but all during the year. Our nature is one of gifting. I know for a fact that every time I show up to certain people's lives, they know they're going to get something. They don't walk away empty-handed. Why? Because I am so blown away by God's generosity towards my life. I'm blown away. I'm undone. You cannot be blessed by God and go around as a, I don't know how to say that word, miger? Miser, that's the word. You can't go around as, as ooh, <laughs> and you're an eyesore, my friend. Raise up your hands to the heavens, get the plenty from God, and then bestow it upon the earth. That'll show your God to be above all other gods. Why? Because he's a generous God. And, and so David writes, who are we that we should be able to give to you so willingly? For all things come from you. A lot of people say, I didn't get paid my bonus this year. I didn't get. Listen, it's not what you get. It's what you gave. And if you haven't given, why are you expecting anything? Give and it shall be given. That sounds familiar. That's a Bible verse. Paul, David says, look, from all the things that come from you, can you enumerate? One of the, one of the psalm. The psalmist says, if I were to begin to number all the things you've given me, I would run out of numbers. I would run out of numbers if I begin to enumerate everything you have given. Some people have issue with that. They're like, Pastor, you're always talking about giving. I go, let me ask you something. Who gave you your kidney? Who gave you your liver? Who gave you your lungs? Who gave you your eyeballs? Who gave you your hearing? This one guy, Rush Limbaugh, says that all the 35,000 little hairs inside his eardrum, they all left. So he lost his hearing. He had to get a special machine. And the machine costs a lot of money so that it goes into his brain and he gets to hear. And you get to hear for free, my friend. And you're all bent out of shape. If you were to begin to number the goodness of God, you would stop being a sourpuss. Is that a Christmas message, sourpuss? You would be full of joy. Some of you are not going to appreciate your husbands and wives until they're gone. And God's given you an incredible husband and wife. An amazing spouse. For all things come from you. And of you, of your own, we have given you, Lord. What? Oh, I had to give the Lord. I had to give God nothing, my friend. He's given you to be faithful to give back to him. And some of you can't because you're so miserable. You can't give to God. When I went to Texas for the first time, I became a Christian. I went to do a study in Texas. I wanted to know why those men gave so much to God. I was like, what do they, why, how do these guys give? Some were giving 90% of their income to God. 
It's like who in the world gives 90% of their income to God? You know who? The one who God gives 100 million to. They only need 10 million. They give 90 million to God. In the gifting of God, I went to study those men. And that's what broke a chain in my life. I started tithing to the Lord. Giving God what is his from what he's given to me. You know what an atheist says? An atheist says, I've received nothing from God. So I owe him nothing. Since God doesn't exist, everything I have is mine. I got it of my own. I don't acknowledge God. I don't give God anything. In God's mercy, he upholds the wicked. I'm only giving from the much that you've given me, God. This is my favorite verse in the whole Bible. You want to know my favorite verse in the whole Bible? Romans, I mean, sorry, Acts 17, 25. I love this verse. You know why? Because it says he doesn't need anything. Let's go to verse 24 real quick. God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. He owns the whole kit and caboodle. If you think you're helping God by giving him something, you're deceived. Mister. You don't need nothing. He doesn't need nothing. You need something. And so the next verse, verse 25, my favorite verse in the whole Bible, it says, nor is he worshiped with man's hands as though he needed anything from man. For he is the one who gives all the life and the breath and all things to all people. Who is this? This is Christmas. This is God made flesh. Unto us a son is given. It's not like he needs anything. He gives all life. You couldn't even breathe. That's why the Bible says anyone who breathes, praise the Lord. Because it's a gift of God, your next breath. I know some people hang out with like oxygen tanks. It's like, I need to go replenish on this because I'm running out of oxygen. And you're getting it for free, my friend. I'm going to ask a medical doctor how much oxygen is per week to put in a tank so that you can breathe. And you're enjoying that right now. And you continue to say, where's God? He needs nothing since he gives He's the lifeline of all things to all people in all places. I love, do we have a, an amplified version of that verse? If we could amplify it. The amplified verse says that, that he is the all in all to all things. And the gifting of God is crazy. You couldn't even keep up with him if you tried. Robert Morris says, I tried to outgive God. And just when I thought I did it, he came back and blew me away. Phone call came in the next day. Excuse me, sir. I wanted to give you my airplane. And he goes, man, God did it again. He couldn't outgive God. And so it's not the natural things. It's the incredible Benefits of God, 2 Timothy 1.6. For this reason, God has put gifts inside of us. Fan the flame of the gift of God which is in you. Are you known by the gift of God? Then let that thing come on fire and let all the people see God in you. Fan that flame of the gift of God. 
for, you know what God did not give? There's one thing that God did not give, verse 7. God did not give you a spirit of fear. God has not given you a spirit of fear. Get that out of your life. If you have a spirit of fear, you have a spirit that fears you're going to run out. And you don't want that spirit in you. It's not something God has given you. It says, because God gave all things and they did not thank him, nor did they glorify him, the wrath of God came. Is God bestowing upon you and bestowing upon you and bestowing upon you. And then when it's your turn to reflect and replenish and be fruitful and be grateful and be thankful, zero, zippo. You're a, a black hole. You're a chupacabra. <laughs> You're sucking it all in. You have no expression of what God wants to do through you. He wants to fill the earth with his glory. Luke 6, 38. Start calling the kids, please. Empieza a llamar a los niños. Because they're going to be upset at me. Luke 6, 38. Give and it will be given. 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 Shaken down, pressed down, good measure, running over. In your bosom, for the same measure that's in your heart will be measured back to you, my friend. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Woo! Hallelujah! All right, one more verse, just because you asked. One more verse. God is rich in his goodness towards our life. 2 Corinthians 9.11, so you will be wealthy in every aspect of your life. You could call this your 9.11 verse. 1 Corinthians 9.11, your emergency verse for Christmas. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 9.11. Why does God give us so much? Because in the abundance of his gifting, there's responsibility. While you are enriched in everything for all reasons, causing you to give through us to God. If God is giving you, you're supposed to be giving. What for? So that all those people look up to the hand of God. Look up to his goodness. Look up to his grace. It's, it's, a, it's a gifting without end in a manner that is powerful. He wants to give you so you will be known by your giving. He doesn't want to give to you like these people do in the Florida lotto. As soon as they win, they disappear. No return address. They disappear. They don't want nobody to know where they live. Because with a great amount of gifting, there's an expectation that they would give their loved ones and their friends. And they don't. They're selfish pigs. They disappear and they leave. Let's bless the children. Come on up. I think of the, with, the, with the teachers is the best way. Who's going to help me here? I don't want. Oh, there she is. My perfect help. Yeah, they could come up here. No, by class they could get them, no? They're all sleeping and stuff, the babies. Are they going to open them by class or are they going to open them together? No, just all together because we're late. So all together they're going to open them together? Yep. Bring them on up. Let's give a big hand to the children. As they start organizing here, let me pray for you real quick. Father, thank you for this day that you have made for us to rejoice and be glad. Lift your hands to heaven, church. Lift your hands to heaven. Lord, look at these hands. You've promised to give them all things in abundance so that they could be a blessing. 
that they would not lack, that they would not suffer need. I pray, O oh God, that the joy be made full, that we would be satisfied in all things, for you're the giver of every good and perfect gift. Our Father in heaven, allow us to celebrate Christmas like it's going out of style. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's stand up this afternoon already. The world is still this morning. We talked to men all over the world when we do our men's conference. We got to South Africa and everybody was going around like super grumpy and super sad. I said, look, if you don't want to give anything, at least give a smile. You know, be generous with your smile. Show some people some teeth and say, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. I hope that God is with you. And pronounce that your God is a God who has given since the beginning. He's given men all things to enjoy for his glory. God has pleasure in that. That, that, that is something very pleasurable to him, to be a generous and gifting God. And guess what? Once you get into the spirit of knowing that you are a son of God, you will be generous. You will be philanthropist. You will be entrusted to provision. Father, thank you for this day you've made. We pray that you would bless the families and the friends of Spring of Life Fellowship, Lord, that they might prosper and they might celebrate Christmas with the authenticity of the spirit of God. That we might acknowledge that the greatest gift given to anybody in all time was our God giving us his son for forgiveness and salvation. For your glory, in Jesus' name we pray. And the house of God says amen and amen and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.